Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 205 of the podcast. Today, we are joined by my good friend and fellow physiotherapist, Shauna. And Shauna has really bravely come on the podcast today to share her personal story and her struggles with growing her family. Her hope is that in sharing her story with you guys and sharing the resources that she was able to turn to for help, maybe she can help someone out there in a similar situation that she was in. I really hope you guys can gain something and that you enjoy today's episode. So settle in, grab a cup of coffee, grab a glass of wine, grab your running shoes if you're out on a walk, and enjoy. Welcome to Vino and Vaginas, the podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Dion, and I'm here to bring you interviews from the absolute best and brightest in their field, all about issues related to being a woman, from health and fitness to sex and dating and everything in between. My mission at Vino and Vaginas is to explore these topics, health, sexuality, and everything related to being a woman in a fun and safe environment free of shame, embarrassment, or stigma. It's going to be an amazing time. Now, let's get to it. Okay, hello and a huge welcome to Shauna to the podcast. So we are so fortunate to have you come on and I'm so excited for you to share your story with us today. Thank you. I'm excited too. Yeah. For our listeners, today's episode is really about bringing some awareness to a topic that we otherwise don't talk a lot about, which is something we try to do often on this podcast. And today that topic is specifically the journey around conceiving and how that journey might not always be as easy or straightforward as we think it might be, or as we think it maybe should be. Um, So that's kind of the close notes of what we're going to chat about. Mm -hmm. Now, it's a heavy topic, obviously, or it can be. So before we jump into that, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and yeah, yeah. Tell, tell us about yeah. you, Shauna. Sure. I hate that question because you never know what you're supposed to say, but it will start context. with your birth and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a Libra. No. Um, so in, the, so I guess in this context, I'm mom to two, two little kids, which is wild. So my son will be five in August and Rosie, the baby will be four months this week already which is wild and then my firstborn Maggie who came (laughs) Maggie is a dog but she is our first baby that we still count as a baby and I'm a crier so I brought tissues just to warn anybody because I tend to get emotional yeah and then and then I'm a physiotherapist and that's how you and I know each other and I think that's um, the universe's way of well, the story will come out as we talk, but I think we were meant to meet for so many reasons, but yeah. That's pretty cool. And yeah, when just Sean and I worked together at a hospital and I worked at a hospital very briefly, um, gosh, was that 10 years ago? Like it was over 10 years ago because I wasn't living in this house yet. And Dave and I weren't married yet. So it was a long time ago. Wow. Does that make you feel old? Like, wow, we've been doing this longer than we think we have. Yeah. Yeah. That was another lifetime ago. Another lifetime for sure. Okay. So I like that intro. Thank you for sharing. I know it is hard. Like you don't know what the heck to say. Like I like doing this on my you know, days <laughs> off. I like to do this. What do you, yeah. But uh, I think that's a good kind of summary, if you will. Thank you. Uh, okay. So diving in a little bit, we're going to talk obviously about how starting and growing or, or how your experience was starting your family, growing your family, mm-hmm. and maybe some of the challenges that you might've had around that. Mm. So, I mean, my first question first off is you're very passionate about this to- topic. You and I have talked about this a lot. And oh, your, passion, yeah. your passion just shines through. Um, and like what, why are you so passionate? I want, like, this is a hard topic, like we said. So, mm-hmm. so what makes you so passionate about opening up this dialogue? Because I know that what I went through to have my second child is something that a lot of women have gone through and maybe they didn't have the end of their journey that I had. And being in healthcare, just going through what I went through and the frustrations 
I just, I want people to know that there's other options out there and they don't have to go the traditional route and the traditional route doesn't work for everyone. It didn't work for me. And I just want people to know, to, to look for these things. Like it just drives me crazy that I had to go and search and read a lot of stuff and a lot of time spent on Google to figure out what the heck I needed to do to finish my family, complete my family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's true. Like, I think when we think about stuff like that, it just like what society tells us or media tells us or anyone tells us, it's just, okay, you start trying, you conceive, you have the baby and they don't talk about all the stuff that actually happens between then, or Mm -hmm. if that end outcome even happens at all. And so it's kind of like, it's kind of like we think of you know, the nuclear family, like everyone thinks that's the family that you have. Mm -hmm. And nobody thinks that there's other options for families too, but same thing with this. So everyone thinks you just try, you do, and you have, and then people don't realize that there's actually a ton of other experiences around that. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you've alluded to it a little bit that your second child was obviously the time you experienced a little bit more challenges. Mm -hmm. So can you just give us a little, you know, information about how your first pregnancy went so mine was like if you go back to like sex ed in school and they're like you will get pregnant when you have sex that is basically what happened with my husband and I so I always wanted kids so we talked about Maggie being my first kid my mom thought I'd never have kids that I would be always have dogs well I also know that when I'm 90, a dog is not going to come and like help me out. Like they can help, but there's only so much. I'm like, okay, (laughs) I need to have children so that when I'm old, there's someone to like watch my back and do all the things that I can't do anymore. So it took me a while to decide when I wanted to have a kid. And it was a big decision for my husband and I, And when we decided the first time, and I don't know if I ever told you this, the first time when we decided we were going to start trying for Sam, my son, I actually panicked and we decided to wait another five or six months, which is really funny in hindsight because we got pregnant really fast. And I remember it was October, I think of 2016. And we're like, okay, well, like we're going to stop trying to prevent a pregnancy, but we're not going to try to get pregnant. And we were driving to Montreal actually to spend the weekend with my family who's flying there. And he and I were like, yeah, we should probably like put some effort into this and like have sex twice a week. Like we didn't know anything about like fertility windows or everything. We're like, okay, that, that sounds like a good plan. And then we got, we're pregnant five weeks later. Like it was, it was (laughs) honestly that easy. Like he looked at me and and everything else happened. So, and it was like textbook, like my pregnancy was easy. My birth was his birth was super fast, like five hours and he was out. And I mean, everything was perfect. So we, when we were pregnant with him, we didn't know we wanted, we didn't know if we were going to have another kid. I had always said that I wanted one and then you have one and you're like, this is kind of cute. And we decided we wanted a second one. Um, and well, that's why we're having this conversation because it wasn't the same journey the second time around. Yeah. So when did you decide that you wanted a second? Cause I know you said 2016. So kind of, if you help yeah. us out with the timeline a little bit. Yeah. So Sam was born August of 2017 and it was, I think January of 2019. So Sam would have been not quite a year and a half yet. And we're like, all right, like we feel ready that, you know, Sam will be two when we have another kid. Cause we just thought, okay, we got pregnant so fast. it'll be so fast again and so like a couple of months went by of trying and we're like okay like we understand like first time we scored a hole in one it's not going to be that easy (laughs) but it just kept like going and going and it was I was at um, actually a baby shower for a colleague and I got talking to another colleague and I didn't know but she had had difficulties conceiving her I can't remember if it was her first or second child. And, and I had said, yeah, we've been trying for about nine months and nothing's happened. She goes to me, Shauna, you know, you don't actually have to wait the full year to ask for a referral to the fertility clinic. And I was like, really? Like, I thought you had to wait a year if you were under 35. And she's like, no, no. So I like, went home and told my husband, we called 
our family doctor the next day and made an appointment, wanted to talk about fertility. And we got an appointment and went in and she did like the blood. I can't. And I was trying to remember that today. I think she sent me for blood work and she sent my husband for a sperm analysis. We got that done and had a follow-up appointment. We'll buy that follow-up appointment in November. Um, I had gotten a positive pregnancy test and we're like, we don't need the fertility clinic. Like we're good. And she's like, Oh, that's good because your husband has low sperm count, but all you need is one. And we're like, yep. All we need is one. We're good. Like (laughs) problem solved. And so we thought, okay, it just took longer the second time around. And that's where kind of the story just kept on going. And I still remember So it was probably a couple of weeks later, um, my husband worked evenings at that time. So I was giving Sam a bath and went to the bathroom while he was in the bath and pulled down my pants and there was blood in my underwear. Mm -hmm. And I just, I kind of held it together, like clean myself up. And it wasn't a lot of blood, but like the panic starts to set in because you're not supposed to leave once pregnant. Yeah. And so like get Sam to bed text my husband at work. He calls me. I'm like in bed, (laughs) like lying on my bed. And I think I had like a mini panic attack and I don't want to downplay people that have like real full blown, but I'm pretty sure my blood pressure dropped. Like I got really dizzy, got really faint. And I've had episodes where I've become very faint and like, you know, got myself together. And my husband's like, well, what do we do? And I'm like, honestly, like if I go to the hospital and something's already happened, we can't stop it. They're like, kids in bed, you're at work. Like, we're not going to do anything. So he's like, well, and (laughs) the next morning I had to mark, I had to be in a exam room with physiotherapy students to mark the clinical exam. So I couldn't get on the phone with the doctor while I'm trying to watch physio students do live exams. He's like, well, I'll call the doctor for you. So he called and my son actually had a doctor's appointment for himself that evening. So they're like, well, just come in and we'll talk to you at the same time. And so it was the physician's assistant was like, oh, everything's probably fine. And it was probably implantation bleeding. And by that point, like I knew enough stuff to go like, no, that should have already happened a few weeks ago. And I was just like, and again, it's like, you can't do anything about it. The bleeding had stopped. It wasn't much. She's like, how much was I'm like, when there's blood on your underwear, you don't know, like the measuring spoon, how much it is. <laughs> so I was like, okay. And thinking like, you're, you're wrong, but whatever. So we had our dating ultrasound, I think a couple of weeks later and the tech was really nice. She goes like, I think you're here too early. I can't see what I need to see. Like I can see the sock, but nothing else. And we're like, okay. And I left not feeling great. And my husband is the eternal optimist. He's like, everything's good. Like there's no problem. And like, in the meantime, I'm getting on the internet, learning about all these things that could actually be wrong and trying not to panic. So we got sent for another ultrasound two weeks later, because that's the protocol. You wait another two weeks and you go. So it was a long two weeks. And I think, I think in the meantime, and I still remember this and I don't know how much you remember. I remember sitting at the restaurant and you asking me, Shauna, are you pregnant? And I said, I don't know. Mm. And I didn't know at that time if I still was. And I think it was the Saturday and we had gone for another ultrasound on the Wednesday And I still remember the tech, they did the exam and where we had had that ultrasound done was different than where we had gone for a dating ultrasound with my son. So we couldn't see the screen that the tech was looking at. So we didn't know what he was seeing. So we finished and he goes, I'm done. You're going to have to wait for your results from the doctor. And my husband said, you can't tell us anything. And he said, no, you have to. And, And I was numb walking out of that building, got in the car. And I lost it. And I remember I we had stopped before the ultrasound to buy my son uh, uh, an ornament for Christmas where they like personalize it and put your whatever name you want on the ornament. And we had to pick it up on the home. <laughs> my husband went in to get it because I would not go into the mall. And I just sat in the car and cried. And I got home and I remember dropping my stuff. My husband had to go to work. And just relying on the dog to comfort yeah. me because I didn't know what else to do. We like, I think you were the only one. No, we had, my in-laws knew that we 
were pregnant, but my parents didn't know, no one else knew. Mm. And I just, I didn't know what else to do. And I think that day I spent the day on Google, like being like, could it still be that like the ultrasound was wrong and whatnot. And I think the doctor called that day and was basically like, so we still don't know, but like, it's not looking good. And I, and at that point I said, like, we're already resigned to the fact that this Mm -hmm. is, this is a done deal. And actually, um, between those two ultrasounds, my doctor had also sent me for repeat blood work to check my HCG levels. So if anyone doesn't know what that, that's the hormone that basically a pregnancy test picks up and that value should be rising. And that value was inconclusive between those two ultrasounds because it was rising, not as much as it should, but it also wasn't going down. So my body was like, you're pregnant, but I had basically a sack with no baby in it. So that was, (laughs) it just keeps getting worse. Right. So that was the Wednesday before Christmas. So I got referred very quickly to, I don't even remember what they call it, but basically where they send you when you've had a miscarriage and you need to get rid of the stuff that is Mm -hmm. in you for lack of a better way of putting that. So they had called me on the Thursday and they're like, can you be here in half an hour? And I'm like, I'm on my way to a patient. Like, no, I cannot be there in half an hour. They're like, can you come tomorrow? And I was like, I can move stuff around. So went to that appointment. And I think as healthcare professionals, there's a lot of people that see the same thing over and over again. And so that it's normal to them, but I have never been through this before. And not to say that they weren't kind, but you could also tell that they just didn't get what you were going through and how traumatic it was. So basically I went and I was told that if I wanted to take medication for my body, basically to flush everything out, I could, if I wanted a DNC, which is basically a surgical procedure that I would have to wait till the new year because they were going on holidays for two weeks for Christmas. So I had the choice of either taking this medication to miscarry or to wait and be pregnant, but not pregnant for two weeks over the holidays. So I decided, I decided to wait because I thought I wanted a DNC. Mm -hmm. And so like we went through the holidays, I think they gave me the prescription for the medication in case I wanted to take it and, and didn't end up taking it. So then I called, I think the first day in the new year when they were open and I don't And I didn't realize that the clinic was for people that had miscarried, but also people that just wanted to have an abortion. So when I called and I was like, yeah, I want, I've decided that I want to go ahead with the DNC. I don't think the nurse or receptionist on the phone, like differentiated between those two groups of people was like, oh, what made you change your mind? And I was like, fuck lady, like you, I couldn't do anything for two weeks. You guys had a lovely Christmas. Well, I wanted to do was drink because I was. (laughs) Like we were, it was so hard, but everyone's having a great Christmas. And I know people say like, when you're trying to get pregnant, all you see is pregnant people. And those two weeks after that Friday, when I had gone to the clinic and they're like, you can have a DNC, but you got to wait for two weeks. We found out five people we know were pregnant five and two weeks. And, and I was just like, what the fuck is going on? And, and I felt you get angry at yourself or I would get angry at myself because I'd be like, well, I'm more deserving of a baby than they are. Like we have better jobs. We're making more money. Like I'm healthier than you are. Like I'm more likely to carry a baby that's going to be like you just and it's Mm -hmm. it's not fair to think those things. But you're just like, why? Like why? It doesn't make sense. Like all these things Mm -hmm. you you feel are true or not true. And then concurrently, you want to be happy for them but you can't be happy for them and then you kick yourself for not being happy for them and it just becomes this it's a vicious cycle it's a vicious cycle and all things turn to you not feeling good about yourself right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so when I called and said I wanted a DNC they're like okay well I have to talk to the gynae resident I'll call you back and I was like okay so they call me back oh they want they want to see you again in clinic okay. So the Tuesday I went and I had started spotting, like my body was finally, like, I think realizing like, it's not, it's time to end this. So I went in and and I was like, so I'm spotting, but like, 
do you think this is actually going to like speed up and things are going to end and whatnot? And she's like, well, I don't really know. I'd have to check your cervix. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) But then she like never offered, like it was weird. And I, and I was like, at this point, like it doesn't, if I, my body's already getting rid of this stuff, it doesn't to me make sense to go through a DNC because the other thing they don't tell you is if you want one, you get put on basically an, uh, an OR on call list. So you get to fast the morning of, and they might call you by 11 AM to let you know that you can come in that afternoon to have your procedure done. Like, it's just like, they don't even book you a time. Like you have to wait on the edge of your seat for this call that you might not get like it was just I'm just like just give me the medication I didn't actually know that yeah I didn't actually know they don't schedule you so like you've gone through this loss you're preparing for you know the completion of this loss and then you're also added to this list and just not yeah which is fine if you don't have to go to work and you can just hang out but like if there and I and maybe there is but if there was someone somewhere that we could have paid privately to have gone mm-hmm. for a DNC before Christmas, we would have paid the money. Like it was just so ridiculous that this is the way the process works. And I understand it's not an urgent procedure. It's not life or death, mm-hmm. but it's so emotional for them to be like, Oh yeah, we put you on the OR list and we'll get to you when we get to you. It's like, okay. And it's still hor- like your body, like it is, it's not yeah. like there's hormones coursing through your body, even yeah. situ- right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So then, so then, so I had started spotting on that Tuesday and then, so I was like, okay, we'll give, I think I then on the way home filled the, the prescription for the medication that basically makes your body start to have contractions to pass um, all of the tissue. So I picked that up on the way home and I'm like, okay, I'm going to take these tomorrow. And I don't know why I was such an idiot. And I never realized, I thought like, okay, I'm going to have like a really heavy period. No one like warned me or said like, Shauna, you have like tissues inside of you that need, I didn't realize that I needed to pass a thing. <laughs> and looking back, I'm like, man, Shauna, that was dumb. But, but you no didn't one, know. But no one told me, I mean, kind of, I feel like I should have known, but no one told me. So I took the medic and you take it vaginally, this medication, you can take it orally, but they recommend vaginally. And so like for the first half of the day, nothing was happening after lunch, I started to get a bit crampy and I was just like, okay, maybe this is starting to work. And I'm just like, okay, like when you have your period, you get cramps and whatnot. And then at about, I think like two, two thirty in the afternoon, like things really got moving. I was like, okay and whatnot and and again still completely naive like got myself cleaned up put a new pad in and had to go to a client and I could just feel that I was just like passing a lot and it was probably one of the most embarrassing moments it it is the most embarrassing moment of my physio because I got to the woman's house and I was like I need to use your bathroom so basically filled her toilet with blood then her toilet wouldn't flush So I, and thankfully she was a nurse, God bless her, lovely, lovely lady. But then I felt like I was still, like I still am gushing blood. And I was like, oh my, and like, I just couldn't believe this is happening. And I, and I stopped the appointment. I was like, I'm sorry, like I have to go home and whatnot. And I explained to her what was going on as I was leaving. She gave me this big hug. She texted me late, but I got home. It's like cleaning myself up. And I said to my husband, I said, when you get home from work, I'm going to call an ambulance. He's like, okay, I'm on my way. He left work early. And I texted him like five minutes later. I'm like, I've called the ambulance because I was just like, it was just blood, blood, blood. So the ambulance got here really fast. And there are people that I remember along this journey that were more, that were the compassionate ones. And it was the ambulance team that came was a male and a female. Not to say that the male wasn't lovely, but the female was amazing. Mm. So they got me on the stretcher, took me down to KGH and whatnot. And I was just kind of telling her in the, the ambulance ride, like what I had gone through. And she's like, oh my God, like, I can't believe they send you home with pills to take and do this on your own. And I was just like, well, I don't know, but this is where I am now. But anyway, and not really tell you like what to expect or what's normal. Like, I mean, you should expect X amount of blood or you should expect, yeah. yeah. 
And they're like, most people prefer to miscarry at home and not go to work. And I'm just like, all right, I've only got two people booked. Like, I'll just go to work and get them done. Like, uh, and I, and I don't think my story is terribly unique about what happened when I took this medication, but it just went from bad to worse. So they got me to KGH. I'm on the stretcher and I'm chatting with everybody. Cause basically I feel fine other than like, I am gushing and I'm like saying to the poor ambulance driver, I'm just like, or the paramedic, I'm just like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm really wet. And they're like, Oh no, it's okay. Like they're not worried about it yeah. until I, I was like, they sat me up on the stretcher because I asked because my back was hurting. Stretchers are not comfortable. And I'm like, I said to them, I said, I'm going to pass out. And I think my face had just gone white. They laid me down. They got the, it got me prompt service. (laughs) And then again, I didn't realize how bad I was because God bless you. You were the person that came to pick me up from emerge. And I was in like the trauma room (laughs) apparently where they put people when things are really bad, but yeah, it was a quick ER visit because I think I got in there about 4.30 and got discharged around nine o'clock. But I had so many people look mm-hmm. in my vagina that night, um, mm-hmm. including the the top um, gynae res who was like, I need a light. She's like, I'm not taking a picture, but use the flashlight on herself. <laughs> oh my God. It was quite the experience, but it was, be- I hemorrhaged because the tissue that I didn't know I was going to get past got stuck in my cervix. And because my body knew that was there, was just trying to contract and push it out. But in the meantime, I think I lost like two liters of blood, like the headaches that I had following that from having such low blood were Uh horrid. I have never had headaches like that. It was insane. But Uh so that was my long story about that was probably from beginning to end like six weeks ish of just horridness horrid just absolutely horrible and like roller coasters right so emotional mentally like I'm sure you were exhausted and heartbroken like to go from not really knowing like what was going on with your Mm -hmm. body and I know you mentioned as soon as you went to the ultrasound tech and they wouldn't they said your doctor will talk to you that that's when you kind of just knew right and so for anyone who hasn't been through that experience, like I guess technically they're not supposed to tell you, but they always do. Right. They always they, they do. do. They're like, you're this far along. And like, mm-hmm. look at the screen, like, look at this. And you, you know, yeah, you know. And so for that, and I've actually talked to a sonographer before about that. And she says, yeah, it's really hard, but you obviously can't tell them anything. And yeah. So that's obviously why mm-hmm. you knew at that moment. And I can't imagine what that would have felt like. And yeah. 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 And I'm so sorry for that experience. Yeah. Well, I mean, in hindsight, I, I have different beliefs now about why we went through all that. And I, and I can see it differently now because our journey ended positively. Um, And I know that it was for my husband and I both to make better health decisions and learn things that were going on with our health that we didn't realize. But at the moment, you just, you know, fucking care. just want things to go right and like what like that hospital visit like what did they did they how did they leave it did they talk to you about it did they counsel you about anything did they there was basically no supports I was told um that I would have to come back for an ultrasound and that I would have to come back for blood work because I had lost so much blood and they also wanted to make sure that basically my uterus had gotten rid of anything and everything. So I had to come back from an ultrasound the next day, which was fine. And it was midday and we were in and out. What I didn't know is after you had the ultrasound and thank goodness the ultrasound tech knew this, she's like, you have to go down to emerge and then they'll go through your results with you. And we're like, okay. Cause it was, it, again, it was midday and that was fine. So we had a really lovely nurse practitioner whose name was also Shauna, who actually had a sister named Shauna because it was a weird story, but there was a lot of Shauna's that day. That is really funny. (laughs) And it's not that (laughs) common of a name. No, it's not. Um, So then I had to go back, I think two or three days later to have another ultrasound, which was not as fun because it was at the end of the day. You okay? My dog's going to have a freak out. (laughs) 
anyway, keep talking. Um, the ultrasound was at the end of the day, I think three or three thirty. So by the time I got down to emerge, it was very busy. Um, their like outpatient emerge department was closing. And so basically I ended up sitting in emerge for what was not an emergency need to be there till I think 9 30 or 10 o'clock at night. I actually went up to them and I'm like, I know I'm not an emergency. I know I'm not important than more important than the other, all the other people waiting here. Do I need to stay? Like, I just, I wanted to leave. And they're like, Oh, well, your results haven't come down yet. I'm like, whatever. So they finally brought me like back. back. They took my blood and whatnot finally. And then again, I'm like asking random people and emerge like, can I leave? Cause I didn't, and I wasn't trying to butt in line. I just didn't want to be there. Like someone could call me on the phone and tell yeah. me what these results said. And so finally, um, this lovely older doctor and he was probably maybe his early sixties came and he's like, he did a consult in the hallway because it was just one of those nights in emerge that there was nowhere else to go. And he's like, these are your results. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> It's like, so I'm supposed to get on a plane in a week to fly to Calgary for a course. I'm like, can I go? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I have no problem with you getting on a plane. It's just if there are still tissues, because they still didn't know if I had passed everything. Mm-hmm. He's like, if you end up with an infection, you're just going to have to go to the hospital in Calgary. And I'm like, okay, like I, I can live with that. Yeah. But he was also... He also told me that he, he, and I can't remember his words, but he understood what I was going through because his wife had miscarried and it was finally someone like in the long line of doctors, not to say they weren't kind, but they didn't get it. Mm -hmm. It was finally a doctor that got it. And you could just tell that he was genuinely compassionate towards what I was going through, but again to be in a merge for like six hours and I'm like I don't want to be here like call me on the phone and the other thing was I did see a copy of the ultrasound report emerge had it by four o'clock that day oh no <laughs> and again it wasn't a priority but someone <laughs> called me on the phone yeah. so and then so I think it was within a couple of weeks I was back on the phone with my doctor's office asking for that referral to go into the fertility clinic at that point because I'm just like, I just want to get the ball rolling. I have no idea how long it takes to see a specialist. And we got it pretty quick. <laughs> Friday, March 13th, which everyone knows, 2020 was like the last day before the world shut down. And I remember the doctor coming in. She's like, well, I'm not supposed to shake your hands. So <laughs> we got blood work done. We got another, we got a referral for a sperm analysis, which did not happen for six months because they would not test sperm during COVID either. They wouldn't even do curbside drop off. <laughs> so from there I got put on, um, they, I had some similarities to polycystic ovarian syndrome, which I do not believe that I have had whatnot. I've got acne, but I didn't have wild cycles. My cycles were an issue that they would not address at the fertility clinic, but anyways, they put me on medication that was supposed to force me to ovulate. I don't think ovulation was ever my issue. And for those that don't know, you need a sperm and you need an egg. It's <laughs> <laughs> not that simple. So they put me on this medication that basically made me nauseated, kind of would screw up my cycle a bit for a couple of months and then it would normalize it, but also made my hair fall out. So mm. we tried that. I did get, I had another positive pregnancy test in August of that year. And it was what's called a chemical pregnancy basically you get a positive pregnancy test but then you get a period right after but because I miscarried again I did get sent for like this host of tests that you can get done to make sure you don't have like all these different conditions that can cause miscarriages and all of that came back fine Mm -hmm. so then we'd had two miscarriages so then the doctor had said well you're a candidate for IUI or um Again, I can't remember the names of all the clinics. So basically um, they 
they wash the man's sperm to make it very concentrated. And then they use a catheter to insert the sperm into your uterus. So you have to go, you take, you get an injection to make you ovulate. You have to go for an ultrasound to make sure the eggs are basically being ready to be released or one egg is being, is ready to be released. Make sure that you don't have too many eggs so that you don't end up like Octobomb. <laughs> if there's no egg, they don't do it. If there's too many eggs, they won't do it because that can be bad too. So everything was a go. Everything was beautiful. I went for an IUI at the end of, or the beginning of November. And the, the nurse that did it was actually one of the nurses that um, had cared for me when I had my son on the maternity ward. So I'm like, this is like kismet, like oh, the stars yes. are aligning. She was so lovely. And she's like, your husband's sperm count, whatever is good. And I'm like, okay, good. We're good to go. And then they say, don't take, I think they tell you not to take a pregnancy test for two weeks after you have your IUI. Well, I got my period early and quite early. Like, I think it was like eight days after seven or eight days after IUI, as opposed to like 14 days when I was going to be able to take the pregnancy test. So I'm just like, all right. So this is not working obviously. Mm -hmm. So, but I'm just like, fuck it. I'm going to take a pregnancy test. Well, isn't the damn thing positive. So I call the clinic because they want to know one way or the other, whether the pregnancy test is positive or negative. And I'm like, so I've got my period, but I've got a positive pregnancy test. And they're like, Oh, well that is not your period. I'm like, okay. They're like, that's your body getting rid of stuff. And I was Mm -hmm. like, uh, what I'm like, okay. So I'm like, so the IUI basically did what it was supposed to do, but my body was not ready to hold this pregnancy or carry this pregnancy, but they wouldn't. And I'm like, so why did I get my period? So really, and they would not give me an answer. And by this time, like I'm doing my research, I've learned all about the way your cycle is supposed to be when you're supposed to ovulate, how long after Mm -hmm. you ovulate to you have, like, I'm, like the expert, I, I'm learning everything that I can. And I think around that time you were starting this podcast and you're like, Shauna, who should I have on? And I don't remember what I had said, but I, I wanted to learn everything about fertility and you had brought on a naturopath. And I was like, I, I listened to that podcast interview, like on, I think two times a week. So I'm just like, I need to hear everything. Oh. And after I'm like, I booked the appointment with her right after yeah. this interview. Cause I'm just like, I need something else. And I knew what was wrong with my cycle that I didn't have enough time after I ovulated for a sperm and an egg, if they've met to implant and for things, my body, my uterus was shedding its lining. So there's nowhere for this potential baby to live, but the doctors wouldn't listen to me. And I knew that was wrong. Yeah. Okay. So before, before we dive yeah. into kind of your experience with the ND, like just kind of backtracking a little bit, but not yeah. really backtracking. Like if we were to summarize, like what a traditional, like the traditional way of going through this fertility or infer- infertility looks like, it would be kind of, from what I'm hearing from you, going to your family doctor, family doctors referring yeah. you to the fertility clinic, waiting for yeah. them. And then kind of what I heard is essentially like a sperm analysis and then blood work. Like, is there much more than that? Or is that it? Is there questions? Is there history? Is there lifestyle? Is there? There, I think they did like the basic lifestyle. Like, do you exercise? They take your weight and like my BMI was a bit high. My husband's BMI was a bit high. Like we didn't, like we weren't smokers. We weren't drinkers. We're not doing recreational drugs. We were Mm -hmm. fairly active. So it's like those like surface level questions that, for sure. You're healthy, but there's a lot going on under the surface. And I don't remember all of the values they checked for me. The one was anti-malarian hormone. I was like malaria, but malarian. I did just remember it said the funny. And that's how, why they thought that I had PCOS, which just okay. to me is wild that, and I have acne. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of like those diagnosis. two factors and, then- and I remember asking her I'm like so was there any supplements that like my husband I wasn't even thinking about myself I was like any supplements my husband can take to get sperm count up and they're like nope yeah. and I was like okay 
Yeah. I assume you're right. So yeah. yeah. And for like, I mean, obviously we're doing this podcast in an audio version, not in a visual yeah. format. So people don't know, you mentioned your BMI was a little high, your husband's like, but for people like, if you don't try like, she's like the epitome of health. Like, <laughs> like it just shows it was, BMI, yeah. but it just shows that BMI is not the ideal measure because you in no way shape or form would even no one would even consider you slightly over anything right and so so that couldn't have really been a reason as to why all this was going on Mm -hmm. right okay so so you go the traditional route obviously you learn everything pretty much yourself sadly like they it doesn't sound like you were given a ton of counseling or support on anything you could do or learn or or how to kind of get through this period it was Facebook groups and someone had mentioned this book called it starts with the egg so I read it again like I read that as fast as I could I was like Dave we need to get rid of like all the plastic in our house and like they had different supplement plans in there so like I, I spent so much money on Amazon buying supplements and taking those and putting my husband on stuff just because like no one know. was helping yeah. us and we didn't know what else to do and so then fortunately so the the podcast you were talking about was dr andrea hillborn she's Mm -hmm. here in kingston and i know she treats people within ontario and i can link to that podcast but so she we we, she came on the podcast and we talked a little bit about fertility Mm -hmm. and about menstrual cycles and about things like that and so i mean it seems obvious why you kind of made her appointment because like she was someone who was finally gonna hopefully provide you with some answers yeah to look at it a different way yeah and so in contrast to that traditional route that you took to start and this kind of more I guess you would call it holistic but Mm -hmm. I don't even know if you would call it right but it's looking at the whole body and it's looking at more than just your blood work and your husband's sperm Mm -hmm. so how did that in contrast like what did those two experiences look like like it was it's like night and day so meeting with Andrea um like she's talking about more than just the surface level, um, health stuff. Like she's like, what is your cycle? Like, like, and I, there's an app for that. So I was like telling her like this, that, the other thing, what my ovulation is like, what sex drive is like, how often are you having sex? Like (laughs) questions like this. And then, but also she was just very compassionate about what we had gone through. She listened to things that we were trying to do. And it, she, mm-hmm. like, as far as like the supplements and our like lifestyle changes, she was listening to all that, but like a five minute appointment versus an hour because she took the time to go through everything with us. So it did still involve blood work mm-hmm. um, and out of pocket blood work, which is not cheap. And it, but it was, we had belief in what she was offering to us. And I, I remember telling her, I'm like, if I am wrong about what I've been doing, just tell me, like, yeah. I had said, like, I think this is my problem. My luteal phase is too short. I think I need to go, you know, figure out a way to lengthen that. Um, I had started on some different supplements. And so when I had my blood work done, basically, well, after that first meeting, she had said, basically, I think you've diagnosed yourself. She's like, most of the supplements you were on, I want you to stay on. She added a few other ones. Um, but what came back from my blood work and what is really fascinating. And I think that this affects a lot more people on a, on a broader range, not just with fertility is she's like, I think if you hadn't have started on these supplements, we would have found that your blood sugar actually was not being very well controlled, but the supplements I had started really had helped that. And actually I lost 10 pounds without doing anything just by changing <laughs> supplements. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, but she's like, and I want to start you on progesterone so that we can lengthen out your cycle. And I was like, thank God yes. someone is finally like listening to me when I was saying all along, like if this I'm getting my period seven days early, something is not right, but they wouldn't listen to they wouldn't offer a solution to it really yeah that's so hard because I mean you can really think of your menstrual cycle like 
like a vital sign and I think that's mm-hmm. something Dr. Hildhorn talks about and it's a lot something yeah. a lot of people in the fertility world talk about is that's yeah. telling you something and if it's wonky mm-hmm. or if it's off or yeah it, it's something that you need to listen so it, I mean yeah. good on you for listening and mm-hmm. and I I mean I had regular periods but what was happening in between those periods was not normal and I mean if I hadn't been tracking my cycle and my ovulation I would have no idea like you have a period every 27 to 29 days, you think everything is good, but there's so much more that happens in those four weeks. And I even realized I had no idea. Like I was, what kind of, what did you track other than like when your period came? Um, so tracking. So I was taking my temperature every day because there is a change in temperature, your, your basal body temperature after you ovulate. So because your progesterone will rise after you ovulate, um, your body temperature will rise. So it's a pretty accurate, um, measure of the fact that you've ovulated. I brought this up with the fertility doctor and she's like, well, I can't, she basically brushed me off and told me I was wrong. I was like, all right, whatever. Um, so I was tracking my temperature and then also tracking my, my cervical mucus. So you want the nice egg white cervical mucus to say that you're ripe and ready for business. Um, and then also using, um, ovulation predictor tests. So I, I peed in a lot of cups and in a lot, a lot of sticks over that time period to figure out what was going on. But then you were able to gain so much information about what your body was doing. Right. And what Mm -hmm. was going on beneath the surface that you might not otherwise have known. Yeah. And I think, I mean, looking back, I think the difference between, when I conceived my son and when I was trying to get pregnant the second time was before I conceived my son, even though I was still active, I wasn't doing as much of that high intensity exercise that probably did keep my blood sugar in better check than what it was trying to conceive the second time. And I really do think that it was my blood sugar that was throwing my cycle off so much. And I had no idea, like you said, like healthy exercise, like yeah. most days of the week, I love ice cream and I love beer, um, but those apparently are not the best for your fertility. Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but just a different way of looking at it to get you to mm-hmm. the goal. Like my husband and I had decided that IVF, we were not going to go down that route. We had one child. We didn't want to go through the stress of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we would, I think have left things alone, but it's hard. And I know that there are probably going to be some people listening to this saying like, that's great that it worked for her, but we went through that route and we still didn't conceive. So I know that, that, that this is not everyone's story, but I also want people to know that there's a different way to figure out fertility and it doesn't have to be the traditional, you know, totally. Route. And I think like, obviously there was a lot to your appointments with the naturopath and it wasn't just, I mean, we, we won't get into all of it and every person is different and everything like that, but it wasn't just, Oh, your blood sugar is low. Take these supplements. And then bam, like you did a lot of work yeah. for it too. Right. Like you did the tracking, oh, yeah. there was nutrition change. Like, I know there was a lot more to it that you really put in. A lot I gave up work. gluten and dairy for two weeks and <laughs> I was one miserable woman for the first like five days. So my husband, I can't remember what he ate. Oh, I think he was eating some of my chocolate. And I think I could have like quad a size because <laughs> I was like, I can't eat my chocolate if I can't eat it. <laughs> so meanwhile, he goes to the bathroom at night just to yeah. like shovel yeah. chocolate in his mouth. Yeah. No, but yeah. So, and, and again, it's also really hard to know, like this was the root of X and we might not always know that, mm-hmm. but like between you and, and the naturopath, you guys think it was the glucose? I think so. I mean, I don't know if she would pinpoint that one thing, but I think that's what had screwed up my cycle. And I think I asked her, you know, like, why was my cycle so wonky? And she's like, well, like there's multiple factors. Like you had a pregnancy before Mm -hmm. so your hormones were different. You're older now than you were. And like, she gave me a bunch of different reasons, but I really do think that it was my blood sugar, honestly that's the one thing that I could really point to and the changes in my diet that, and the progesterone that the fertility clinic wouldn't even consider, but interestingly enough, so they give you two options of protocols for an IUI. 
The one I chose because it involved being still in the same medication that they had put me on initially didn't involve progesterone after you had your insemination, but the other one did. The other one I also didn't choose because it had a higher chance of having um, multiple births, which mm. <laughs> I don't think anyone would That's choose <laughs> triplets. So yeah. So, wow. and I remember asking Andrea, I'm like, why do they offer progesterone on one? And she's like, well, they have their protocols. She was very, she was so good. Like never talked down about anybody or anything. And I, and I don't fault um, the reproductive clinic at all, no. but just the fact that when I would ask questions, they would just kind of say, nope, nope, there's nothing else. And there was clearly a lot of other things. Yeah, that's really hard. And I know, like, like you said, this experience, a lot of people might've felt it themselves or gone through it themselves. Sorry, my puppy. I have a puppy. She's seven months old and gives me some trouble sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I've been sitting here ignoring her for the last hour. Um, <laughs> but so, so what was I saying? So yeah, so like not everybody's going to go through this experience. Some mm-hmm. people might have an easier time than you. Some people might have at the end had to unfortunately give up on their goal of mm-hmm. having another. Um, and it's just hard because everybody is different and not everybody can access the services that they need. Mm-hmm. So like you, maybe not everybody knows that they can even get a referral to the fertility clinic so soon. And so a lot of people might be dealing with this and not even thinking to go talk to their family mm-hmm. doctor because yeah. it's only been a year and, and they've heard their friend took four years and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think like the first thing I want people to know who are struggling with this is like, yeah, reach out to your family doctor to start, have that conversation, chat with what you can do, see where that referral takes you, talk to the fertility clinic, talk about all your options, but then maybe at the same time, explore some of these holistic mm-hmm. things that you were yeah. talking about, right? So Absolutely. reading, learning, maybe me- making an appointment with someone who, f- who specializes in fertility and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. How long was the process? I mean, I know like we're talking, like by the time you went to the naturopath, I think it was a year after the hospital experience it was yeah it was probably about a year how long were you working with the naturopath we had our first appointment with her I think either end of December or January and then we found out we were pregnant in June so we had probably had like four or five appointments my husband actually had an appointment with her for his side of things as well because obviously it takes two people to make a baby (laughs) right so but yeah about six months and then I have seen her postpartum as well but um yeah yeah about six months wow so not overnight that's for sure no and that's what she said that it would take about three months to see changes from like what we had implemented so I mean she didn't give us any false hope or, you know, give us any misinformation. And we knew that it would take time, but we also knew that when we did conceive that the likelihood of things sticking were a lot greater because our systems or especially my system was much more ready to care, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, To house it, right. Like to have to like, it was more resilient. Your body was prepared I think that's a good way of yeah. putting it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what um what are the biggest lessons you've learned throughout all of this oh there's a lot um about our healthcare system in general is I mean it's what do they call it like the sick care system so it's there to care for you when you're sick it's not there to really make you well um that there are other options out there that really are going to look at, you know, the root of the issue as opposed to the band-aid solution. And the thing that I've learned about myself is just how resilient I can be. I mean, not to say that there weren't a lot of tears through this, like, you know, you get your period and, and you just cry. Like it, it was a long three years between when we started to try to actually having our little girl. Um, But I would say to anyone listening, that's going through this to not give up and to search for more answers. And if they don't feel satisfied with the answers that they've been given to keep looking for 
different answers and a better answer than just mm -hmm. a no, or it doesn't work that way or mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great tip or piece of advice to give because yeah, like there, there are options out there. And, and the truth is, unfortunately, not everyone will be successful with things, but mm -hmm. maybe this story helps some who can be right. Mm -hmm. Who just don't yeah. know better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Has this experience changed kind of how you live now? Have you stuck with some of those habits? Do you still like not eat gluten? <laughs> well, gluten is delicious, even though it's the devil's food. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it, um, yes, I have stuck with a lot of things. Um, and my diet continues to evolve as I learn more. And the more that I learn, um, I'm I almost want to go and be a naturopathic doctor myself, even though that'd be law school. No one's got time for that, yeah. Um, but the more that I learn about diet and food, the more I realize we're probably all slowly killing ourselves with what we eat. And I, I mean, not to say that I eat perfectly, as I said, I love ice cream and beer and cake. Um, but definitely I'm, I'm more careful about, you know, not having so much gluten, not having so many like, carbohydrates and things like that, because I now know how much it affects my blood sugar, which affects like everything else in your body. And I mean, I don't know enough to like give really good advice about it, but I just know that it's really changed my health and my energy and how I sleep at night and how I feel and things like that. So that's probably the biggest thing that stuck. Um, and then some of the supplements that I was put on that. I'm still on now just for general health, not to try to, we're done having babies, but, <laughs> but just for general health, like I've learned a lot. And I would say if anyone's like not feeling that awesome, like I am totally pro naturopath now. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's amazing just how little we know about our bodies and how, like the gold standard used to be go for your physical at the doctor, not to say that that's a bad thing, but there's, there's like another level, whether you want to mm -hmm. think about it going a bit deeper into like, mm -hmm. you know, how important your vitamin D levels are that no one's checking and things like that. So, yeah. And it's important to talk about, I mean, like what we do as physios, like we counsel mm -hmm. people on including movement and exercise and like cardio and strength and all that stuff. So definitely looking at your body and I'm not saying we work on fertility because we certainly don't, but like, yeah, looking at the whole picture. So diet, nutrition, lifestyle, mm -hmm. movement, what that looks yep. like, uh, stress, sleep, like yeah. the options are endless of the things that can affect kind of mm -hmm. our general health. So definitely having that holistic look and view and, and focus mm -hmm. is really important. Yeah. Well, Shauna, I mean, like, thank you for sharing your story. I can't, I can't imagine the, the stress, the exhaustion, the heartbreak and the kind of like everything you went through over those years. And I know it wasn't easy and I think it's really brave. And I think it's really courageous to share the story because I know it can't have been easy to talk about. Um, but it's something that I think a lot of people will relate to, or they'll, parts of the story they might relate to or right mm -hmm. it just might meet, be what they needed to hear to realize that they're not alone because we no. don't talk about it and I think miscarriage is huge and I actually don't know the stat right now but the last time I looked this at was one in three women have a miscarriage and like nobody knows nobody thinks about that right yeah. and, and it's a loss and it's devastating and I think yeah I thank you so much for for chatting about this and yeah not an easy topic well, thank you for giving me a platform to share because it's, it's until you start talking about it and even myself talking about it with friends, you don't realize how many people have gone through mm -hmm. some version of this um, because it's not something we talk about, even though it is becoming more talked about there is still like, there's just not a lot of support. Like when, and I can, like, it was a major trauma, what I went through in January of 2020 um, and my first couple periods after, like, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. Cause I just like, I think I had very mild, like stress disorder from it. It was traumatic to have a period after that. Um, and I forget where my train of thought was going with that one, but, um, 
Yeah, I totally lost it. I've still got, I've got mom, right? That's okay. I mean, you're probably not getting that much sleep with a five-year-old and a four-month-old. So, (laughs) and still like working and all of that stuff, but, oh, but okay. I'm going to ask you one final question and you've already kind of touched on it and actually you've really answered it, but I'm just going to make you answer it in such a way that it's very like summarized, (laughs) but kind of given your experience, Mm -hmm. And say you were talking to someone who has gone through similar struggles and they're having a hard time conceiving. If there is, you know, one to three things you could tell them, what would it be? I'd say find your support network. So for me, my husband was amazing. Um, You were amazing. And my mom. So having someone like people in your life that can help buoy you because it's emotional and it's, you, you need that. Um, to keep looking for answers and whether they be the traditional route or non-traditional and just not to give up, but also I think to set your limit and know where your limit is. And as I said, we had said we wouldn't go through IVF and we both know that we may have changed our minds, but, but being okay to know where that, where the, where the limit is. And I think that goes for a lot of things in life, just knowing what, what your standards are and being okay if if you've got to tap out yeah and being okay with having to do it but also being okay with being sad about having yeah that's yeah yeah absolutely oh well thank you for your story your words your advice and I think I'm really excited to hear kind of if this resonates with anybody out there Mm -hmm. thank Uh, you all right thanks Shauna